I just finished typing into the Googler three different ways how to have empathy for your teenager, just to see what turned up. You know what I got? Not a single thing about how to have empathy for your teenager. But I got 120 million results, including five strategies for teaching empathy to teens. Help your teenager develop empathy, how to build teens empathy, and on and on and on. So it seems there's a ton of people concerned about teens having empathy, but no one is concerned about parents having empathy for their teens. But guess what? If you want to have a stronger relationship, secure attachment with your teen, you had better develop some empathy for them. This is Speaking of Teens, the podcast that helps parents who are struggling to find peace and connection with their teens. My name is Ann Coleman. I'm an attorney turned parent educator and a mom who's been there. And I'm on a mission to help you build a stronger relationship and decrease the conflict with your kid so you can help them grow into the young adult they're meant to be. So let me just define empathy up front. I'm not talking about sympathy or feeling bad for someone else. I'm talking about the ability to share or step into or feel another person's emotions, to literally feel what they're feeling. Science has shown that empathy is a highly flexible phenomenon, and it depends on several factors, such as the specific context and the relationship between the person empathizing and the other person, and the perspective taken by the person empathizing with the other person. When Dr. John Gottman talks about emotion coaching in his book, Raising an Emotionally Intelligent Child, he says, quote, when parents offer their children empathy and help them to cope with negative feelings like anger, sadness, and fear, parents build bridges of loyalty and affection. Now, let me tell you, there is no better time to have a bridge of loyalty and affection than during adolescence. Between 10 and at least their mid to late 20s, you're going to need that bridge. Gottman did a series of scientific studies in which he observed parents and their children interacting. These studies led him to conclude that, quote, the key to good parenting lies in understanding the emotional source of problematic behavior. That bears repeating. His research showed that to be a good parent, you must understand that the behavior your child is exhibiting is because they're experiencing a particular emotion, and you must understand what that emotion is. You got it? You need to figure out what emotion it is they're feeling, which is causing them to act the way they're acting. If you only pay attention to the behavior itself, you are not going to succeed during adolescence. After all of these studies that he did, he ended up defining four types of parents. The dismissing parent, the disapproving parent, the laissez-faire parent, and the emotion coach. Now, the dismissing parent, it's pretty obvious, is someone who just does not want to deal with their kids' emotions, period. They'd rather just distract their kids and hope the emotion goes away they feel emotions are just simply toxic. This type of parenting, he learned, teaches kids there's something 
wrong with them to have feelings. They feel totally abnormal and they don't learn how to regulate their emotions. There's also this disapproving parent type who dismisses their child's emotions, but they go further by being more controlling and manipulative. They're just concerned with the child's outward behavior and that's it. They just want to discipline them and make that behavior stop, which generally means punishing them. They don't care about the child's emotions or the why behind the behavior. Then there's the laissez-faire parents. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right or not, so just forgive me. Anyway, they allow the kid to do pretty much anything. A very permissive parenting style. No behavior boundaries. And the parent also doesn't help guide the child through their emotions. They encourage them to just ride them out until they just go away or disappear. Last is the emotion coach. This is the type of parent we aspire to be. Emotion coaches are very aware of their child's emotions. They know what they're feeling and they can see it coming from a mile away. They don't dread their kid's negative emotions, but look at it instead as an opportunity to connect with them. They listen intently to their kids when they're experiencing an emotion and they validate or acknowledge their kids' feelings and they use the right emotion words with them so their kid can learn to recognize their own emotions and they're able to set limits and help them solve their own problems and deal with their own emotions. Kids who are emotion coached are more emotionally aware and emotionally regulated. They know how they feel and they can direct their emotions towards problem solving rather than feeling confused. And they'll have more self-confidence, do better in social situations, they'll make better grades, and they're even healthier. So to be able to see your kids' negative emotions as an opportunity to connect on a deeper level and to be able to listen and validate and help them problem solve, what would you say the prerequisite is? You have to remain calm. When your kid's having an exploding, crying meltdown, you have to remain calm. What's something that will at least help you remain calm when your teen's having a loud, raging, eye-bulging, fist-clenching fit? Empathy. Oh, I know, you don't have to tell me what a crazy idea that is. You don't have to tell me how extremely difficult that is. But if your goal is to bring calm to the situation, figure out what's going on and help your child in any way, then you'd better learn how to empathize and stay calm because that's what's going to help them calm down. To help you have more empathy with your teen, you can learn how the changes going on in their brain impact their thoughts, their emotions, and their behavior. Go back and listen to episodes three and four. In a nutshell, their brain causes them to get angry, frustrated, sad, nervous, afraid, annoyed, all the negative emotions much, much, much easier than they will when they reach adulthood. It causes them to be moody and embarrassed and snappish and snarky and self-conscious smartasses. Their brain causes them to jump into situations they know can have a huge negative consequence 
and it makes them do it even more when they're around other teens their age. Their brain causes them not to listen to you as much as they do those close friends or any friends and not to want to hang out with you as much as they want to hang out with those friends. And it causes them to be hyper focused on making sure those friends like them, accept them, keep inviting them places and thinking that they're cool. Their brain causes them to be interested in things you will never understand, although you should try. It will cause them to like one thing one day and the opposite the next. It might cause them to talk and dress one way and something totally different the next day. Their brain is not going to let them focus on being nice to you or appreciative of anything you do or mindful of your feelings or emotions or doing things you'd love for them to do without asking. And trust me, this is just a partial list. And you know what? Most of what I just listed off would also describe a toddler, wouldn't it? They can't control their emotions. They cry and scream at the drop of a hat. They're natural risk takers. They'd run out into four-lane traffic if they could. They can be a bit mean, too, especially when they say something like, mean mommy, mean daddy. But think back to those toddler days just a minute. Did you take their emotional tirades personally? Did you think they really didn't like you or take offense or get your feelings hurt back then? Did you get angry? I mean, really angry at them when they did something wrong? Did you give them the silent treatment, lock the doors and not let them back in the house? Refuse to feed them or take away their toys? No, I hope you didn't. I know you didn't. And of course, the new hadn't worn off back then. They were still little cute and sweet and they smelled good and they were extremely affectionate and, you know, quick with the hugs and the I love you's. And yeah, not so much these days, I know. But besides their size and their smell and the affection, they're not that much different emotionally right now. Again, it's how their brain worked then. And their brain is going through almost an identical process now that started with puberty and won't end for years and years, I'm afraid. And yes, of course, they can do more things now. They can read and they can do math and they can rattle off all the words to the fast rap songs. But guess what? Those are cognitive abilities, not emotional or social abilities. We're talking apples and oranges here. Those emotional and social abilities won't be fully functional until long after they've moved out of your home. They'll gradually develop over the next few years, but they have a long way to go. And they all, and I'm talking about the brains here, they all do it at a pace that isn't perfectly in line with the next brain down the street. You might have a 12-year-old you'd trust to run your business and a 20-year-old you wouldn't trust to leave your dog with. There are so many factors involved, so do not compare your kids to each other or one kid to another kid down the street, ever. So, they do not have full control over their thoughts. They do not have full control over their emotions, and they don't have full control over their behavior. 
they are doing the best they can with what they have. If they could do better, they would do better. They don't do these things on purpose to hurt you or make you mad or to be purposefully defiant. They do not yet have a fully functional brain, period. Now, do you think knowing all of this will help you have more empathy, which in turn will help you be calmer, more patient and understanding? I really, really, really hope so. That's the plan. So let's say after listening to this, they come in the room and they're just a total ass about something. What are you going to say in your head? Pick one of these statements to repeat to yourself anytime you feel like screaming, lecturing, or pulling your hair out. One, they are doing the best they can with what they have. That could be it. Or two, if they could do better, they would do better. You could try that one. Number three, they don't do these things on purpose to hurt me, to make me mad, or to be purposefully defiant. Or four, they do not yet have a fully functional brain. Pick one to repeat to yourself every time you feel that hot face feeling and you feel like you're going to lose it. Now, why might it still be hard for you to have empathy for them? Because you may have gotten it into your head that they could do better if they wanted to, or they could do better if they just tried. Well, I'm sorry, but that is not how this works. When they were two, would you have thought they could understand not to cry when I'm on the phone if they would just try, they could do better? No. For some reason, when our kids start looking more like adults with adult features and they get a little taller and start having more grown-up conversations and knowing more adult-like things, we tend to attribute more adult social, emotional, and even cognitive abilities to them. Some are age-appropriate that we assume, but many are not. So having empathy and understanding their brain is not anywhere near finished yet can help you stay calm in the moment when they're having an emotional tirade or totally ignoring you or acting like a complete jerk. It may take some journaling, some mindful meditation. Hell, it might take some medication, a therapist, and a fine-aged Cabernet. I don't know. But once you get this empathy and calm down a little bit, you can do the rest of what you need to do. You'll have the tough stuff licked. All right, I'm going to link some other episodes and parenting guides that you need to check out for more on emotions and emotion coaching. And they'll be in the show description right there in the app where you're listening and in the show notes. And so that's it for Speaking of Teens today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here with me. If you enjoyed this episode, fiddle around in your app until you see the little forward button and send it on to a friend. I would really appreciate it, and you know they would too. You can also join us in the Speaking of Teens Facebook group. Ask your questions, get some direction and some feedback from me and the others in the group. The link is right there at the very bottom of the show description in your app. Until next time. Remember, a little change goes a long way.